0: Discussions of so-called council culture are everywhere today. What is it? How widespread is it? And how should we evaluate it? Is it something good, something bad, or a mixture of good and bad elements? That's our topic. I'm Ankar Ghatay. Welcome to New Ideal Live, the podcast of the Ayn Rand Institute. Joining me today is my colleague at ARI, Mike Matza. We're streaming on YouTube, Facebook, and Zoom. The best way to ask a question uh, is to use the Super Chat function on YouTube, but you can also use the Q&A module on Zoom. And we'll be continuing this discussion on Clubhouse right after the podcast. So we hope you'll be able to join us uh, there as well. So welcome, Mike. Um, I know this is a phenomenon, a, a topic you've been reading about and following for a fair amount of time, so have I. So let's start off with what I put as really the first question. What is, what is so-called cancel culture? What is the phenomenon? How widespread? How wide-ranging is it?
1: Yeah, I think a good way to start answering that question would just be to look at a few of the examples that have come up. So this is something that keeps popping up every maybe week or two. There's another story. So when we were talking about this yesterday, we just both became aware of the uh, uh, editor of Teen Vogue was fired for tweets she made when she was a teenager about 10 years ago. Um, interestingly, that the person who uh, seemed to be pushing for her fire, firing also has racially charged tr- tweets from uh, about 10 years ago. There was uh, a few uh, weeks or I guess a few months back now, the firing of Donald McNeil, Uh, of the New York Times for making uh, racially, allegedly racially inappropriate comments to students. Um, We've also seen uh, cases of lower profile people or just private citizens being fired for um, alleged uh, offenses. So last summer there was a um, electrician for San Diego, uh, gas and electric, who was photographed with his hand in a kind of that kind of position outside of his car. And it was alleged that that's uh, a white power sign. Um, he was fired for that, even though he's uh, not white and seemed to have been cracking his knuckles. Uh, he, he was uh, fired for that. Um, I think we've also seen cases where people actually do something wrong, but there's a, seems to be an extreme overreaction to what they do. So. There was a uh, conflict between a white woman and a black man in Central Park, maybe this was nine months ago, late last summer, I think, um, yeah, in which the, the woman, yeah, it's the bird watcher, the woman was uh, arguing with this man that, you, you know, the video starts late into the argument and she's saying, I'm going to uh, have the police come and they'll, you know, they'll come after you because you're black, they'll believe me because I'm white. And um, her life was subsequently ruined. She was doxxed, fired and all, and all of that. Um, but there's also been cases where um, people have been canceled, fired, socially ostracized for uh, genuine offenses and the cancellation seems to be uh, appropriate. So Bill Cosby, um, when, when it became more widely known and also very credible that he was guilty of of, uh, of the accusations against him. There was an effort to, you know, people boycotting his his live events and um, and, and all that. So that seems to be more of a uh, reasonable cancellation than, uh, than some of the others. Um, <clears throat> so what does that all amount to, uh, I guess, is our first our first question
0: yeah and those examples are really scratching the surface so when we were talking about it last night what we might talk about and how to delimit it a little bit it's i mean you can rattle off example after example of cases now where it's some kind of social pressure a lot of people speaking out usually on social media to to Gets as you put it, get someone fired to get them deplatformed, so they're invited to speak at a university, and then the, that invitation is withdrawn. Um, so that, that, that they face real consequences. That there's and it's I put it that there's the expression at least how valid it is, how sincere it is, but there's an expression of moral outrage, like real moral outrage. criticism. Usually, it's moral outrage at the action, and that the person should suffer some significant consequences as a result of that the, the moral transgression that they've supposedly engaged in. I think, and it's, so it, it is, I mean, the reason it's being talked about so much is that I think it really is a widespread phenomenon and that social media makes it easy. Like, so just if you say that social media makes communication a lot easier, which it does, one thing it also makes easier is for people to gather um, in masses, in effect, masses. and all be expressing Mom. the same view. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, it's mob's a pretty negative term, so that that's one of the things to think about. Like, when we is it a mob? It. Um, because it, and if you bring in examples like Bill Cosby, then it's like, is it a mob formed around that? If there was a lot of people mm-hmm. saying, like, maybe we shouldn't deal with bill cosby anymore maybe nbc shouldn't should we even show the, his the bill cosby show yeah. in syndication like should we air this anymore or not um it's it's a, a lot a lot of people isn't necessarily a mob it can easily descend into a mob i think and that's one of the dangers here um and um so how widespread and how wide ranging it is so sometimes it's thought about as it's it's. I mean, I think the strongest would be it's exclusively about racial things or less strong would be it's primarily about racial things. But I think one should think of it as more wide ranging
1: than that. It's also not entirely exclusive to it's has the in current discussions, there's a kind of presumption that it's a left wing thing. So it's the left canceling people. There are similar cases going back uh, of you know, right-wing type people um, canceling f- the Dixie Chicks was an early example in the early 2000s of a kind of cancellation. They um, protested the Bush administration and lost a lot of fans and supporters uh, because of that. So it, it's n- not exclusive to a particular topic nor a particular at, um, faction in the current culture.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think if you sort of fast forward into today, the, the, you can see it within groups. So if you take kind of the, the way it would be put as the political right, um, there's problems with that conceptualization, but if we put it as a political party, the Republicans, it happens within there. part of the whole Trump phenomenon. You can see that part of it is an attempt to cancel the so called however it's characterized the so-called republicans in name only or the people who are not super enthusiastic about trump maybe the never trumpers will be one way it's never put That it's like they shouldn't be able to run we need to get them out of the party they shouldn't even be a candidate and you can view like that's they should suffer real consequences because we're morally outraged at the stands they're taking um And so it's wide ranging in topic, it's wide ranging in sort of the consequences that are demanded about, it's not only about firing someone, uh, deplatforming. that you shouldn't be able to run as a candidate, there's various ways of doing it. And if you bring in cases like the Bill Cosby, it's wide ranging in thinking is this, does this make sense or not? Like is the demand, Reasonable. Leave leave aside for a moment: is the demand right? But even if it's just reason, like I could see why somebody's demanding this. I still don't agree with it. But it, they seem to range. Like I can, even if you don't agree that the Bill Cosby show, they shouldn't even show it anymore. I mean, this he filmed it 30 years ago, and so they shouldn't even show it. But you still might think, yeah, that's a reasonable demand. Demand. I can understand why people think that's the right thing to do. You might in the end disagree with it, but um, whereas. If you um, talk a little more about the Cafferty example, that doesn't seem reasonable at all. Like it's not, it's, yeah, I can understand why people are doing this.
1: Yeah, so the the Cafferty example is interesting because it seems, it has no plausibility from the beginning. It's not as if um, there was some, you know, some kind of uh, on the surface, uh, seemingly racist act, and then further footage or something came out. It's just the accusation is that a guy driving his car happened to be doing a white power sign casually just as he's driving through traffic. Um, and that's the reason I brought up the idea that there's a mobishness to it because there's kind of not a concern in that case with whether or not the accusation even makes any sense. It's just that we have somebody to get. Um, let's go after him. Uh, you know. And then there's a kind of glee in that um, to a lot of people. I think.
0: Yeah, in that kind of case, it's it's a. I think it's right to put it. It's a mob. It's a mob mentality, and when they carry through with what they're doing, it's it's. Um, you can see a similarity to lynching. So when you think of mobs, and like the worst thing a mob can do, or one of the worst things a mob can do, is they just lynch someone. And it's really bad, even if the person's guilty. So even if you just take it into your own hands, and I mean, when you think about Blacks in the South being lynched, I mean one of the worst kinds of episodes in American history for lynchings, it's even if one in a thousand was guilty, it's that this is how you think the administration and practice of justice looks like. It's really, really bad. It's really, really wrong. So even if there was um, reason to think in this case, that in the end you think, well, maybe he does have connections to white power or white supremacy. The fact that they're uninterested in actually looking at the evidence and actually figuring out what should be the right verdict here that is, I mean, that's part of what I think really scares people and rightly scares people about. Mm-hmm. If this kind of thing is on the rise, it's um, I can be lynched and and there's no court. Like the court of public opinion now is where lynchings are taken as that's legitimate. Like that's it's something that will go on. And so, because when you read about this, one of the things people talk about is and surveys indicate this for. Um, particularly I've looked at surveys for kind of the younger generation that they fear to voice their opinion. Mm -hmm. And if you think like my opinion is going to be completely distorted, you won't even really care what my opinion is. And you're going to say, well, I'm on the wrong side of of what is proper or what is moral That that there's people I think are sensing that there's some kind of hooliganism at work here and a mob mentality that can descend into even lynching.
1: So then what do we make of the, um, so there's another class of examples where there does seem to be some concern with um, whether or not the person's guilty. So what I'm thinking of is the um, McNeil case at the New York times. So when it first came out, it really did seem like there was some kind of mob mob mobish thing going on inside the times, but as, People who actually work at the Times and were part of it, you know, explained what was happening. There were conference calls, discussions, skepticism expressed internally. I read an interview with um, Nicole Hannah Jones, who's the, uh, I guess, the author or the uh, of the sixteen nineteen project. So somebody you might think would be more on the side of get rid of uh, Donald McNeil actually. Says Like, I was interested in what the evidence was and what the context was, and did he actually say something um, uh, inappropriate and, and, and that, so that's, that's a case where it seems like there's not the um, ganging up, not the hysteria, yet we talk about that in the same breath as we talk about Cafferty under the heading of cancel culture.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things I think it's important to talk about just this heading of cancel culture. What is it grouping together? And on the base, like what, why think everything that's being grouped under this term or this uh, is sufficiently similar that they should be grouped Mm -hmm. under the same term? We'll talk about that in a moment. I put the, when there's, if you're thinking of this as it's an, issue about justice, which I think is the wider way to be thinking about this, this is supposedly when you're expressing moral outrage and demanding that um, a person face repercussions for uh, moral um, transgressions, It's that that's supposed to be an expression of justice. And justice requires that you have real principles by which you're judging and that that you have a real process by which you're going to reach a proper identification. So if you think in a court of law, which I think should be our um, conception of what it looks like to actually engage in judgment, in figuring out what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, engaging in moral judgment. There's two crucial things Um, like two crucial major things about the law that's important. Is the law itself, so the principles being used, um, rational, does it make sense? Is it good law? And then am I in a courtroom in which the process by which it's gonna be decided if I um, uh, stole something from somebody or if I murdered someone, so you can think, yeah, laws against murder, if they're properly written, and against theft, yeah, these are the laws themselves make sense. But you could have laws that make sense, and the process by which you're, they're trying to determine if you're um, have, st- have have stolen some property is like what they treat as evidence isn't really evidence; it's just hearsay. And, so, and if you're if that's what the process looks like, then you can have right principles or right laws and still not get anywhere close to justice. And vice versa, you can have um, that, the process looks like it's a objective process, a process that's gonna carry you to a proper verdict to the truth. But if the laws themselves don't make any sense, you can't actually have a proper process to administer them. And I would put here, and this is one of the things Ayn Rand certainly thought about uh, American law, the whole body of antitrust laws is no company can look at those laws and say, this is what is, if I engage in this action, I'm innocent. Uh, no antitrust lawsuit will, will be brought upon my head. The Justice Department won't get after me. You can be charged for if your prices are too low if than your competitors, if they're higher than your competitors, if they're the same as your competitors. Um, so the law itself doesn't, is not good law, and even if the process in an antitrust trial looks like, yeah, this is a legitimate process, you're not actually going to get any justice. And that, in cases like the New York Times, I think though, both of those you have to think about. Like, what was the process mm-hmm. that went on, and what are the standards and, and principles being used to to evaluate was this action morally um, so beyond the pale that we have to fire or not?
1: Yeah so i can see how that would play out in uh like a like an organization like the new york times you have internal rules and standards of conduct and you could ask are they good or bad and then are they being applied uh fairly or not what what do we make then of more um organic or spontaneous cancellations where it's not any group or organization doing this it's just the people on uh, Twitter getting uh, information about the birdwatch, uh, the the woman in the birdwatching case, for example. How do how do we think about um, what are the right standards and what's the right process? Um, in you know, if you think if you're part of this um, sort of uh, organic group, like see, so have video evidence of somebody doing something what you think is really awful. Um, how do you navigate something like that then? Um,
0: I mean, I, I think one should think what your reaction was when you first, I assume you've watched that video. I've watched the yeah. video. Yeah, you were, you were referring to it. Of what it, like, it, it, and she threatens, I'm going to call the cops. And it certainly seems like in the video, the undertone is, and they're going to side I'm with is... me because I'm a woman in white, and they're going to side yeah. against you because you're a male and black. Like that seems... That there's an implied threat there, it seems like, yeah. and I, I and you can view that as yeah, this is reprehensible behavior. If that's really what's happening, that's reprehensible yeah. behavior. It's a different thing to say this person should be fired from their job. Like, wouldn't you want to know more about the person? Was this they're having a really bad day? Um, and that might be like too charitable to put it like that, but it's um like is this in character or does, was this really atypical for the person um, what are their actual viewpoints the and what is like what are their other actions what else have they done in their lives the if you were taking the if you're getting on a campaign and it's not you're not part of the organization but a campaign you're on twitter demanding this person should be fired like why do you think that that is the proper outcome and would be a just outcome and you have to think about that Um, so it, it's and it was interesting in that case um the bird watch the black bird watcher was yeah i don't think what she did is right and it and i mean i think part of why he's filming it is to have evidence of what's going on and so and mm-hmm. but whether she should be fired from her job and sort of ostracized no one ever should deal with her now that he it was his view was um like this seems like an overreaction to me and it's like you can't go from this one instance to that's what justice demands is um, that we fire, she be fired, and ostracized, uh, and so on. And I think and he's right I about
1: that. There's, on uh, when we're talking about cases where it's a kind of internet um, uh, or social media um, mob after people, there doesn't seem to be any recognition of the consequences of what everybody's doing. So when you're in the in the moment and you're spreading this uh this uh you know this this story it's almost like well nothing's going to happen these aren't real people it's not going to um it's not going to affect them so there's the birdwatcher case that we just talked about one of the first cases to make national news was uh i believe her name was Justine Sacco who uh <clears throat> made a kind of uh, failed attempt at sarcasm concerning uh Uh, AIDS in Africa. um, And she got on an airplane after making a tweet about this. uh, And then when she landed and resumed uh, having internet access, she found that she was a national uh, story and had been fired. And if you read up on where she is now, she still uh, is having trouble getting work. um, Because when you Google her name, what comes up is this accusation that she's on Twitter making racist jokes and Uh, And that's what that's what employers see about her when they look her up. Um, So we talked about the disregard for whether or not something's uh, some accusation is true or whether or not there's extenuating circumstances or something. But there's also this disregard for the effects of actually um, actually going after somebody like this, that it's it's not just a, you know, the news cycle turns over and then it's gone, it might be gone for you, but it's not gone for the people who are on the receiving end of this.
0: Yes, I think that's part of, at least in some of these incidences that are being grouped under its cancel culture, that's part part of what the mob mentality means, that it's to be part of a mob is to lose a sense of personal responsibility so, and what people often say is that the person wouldn't do this if he was acting alone or there's three people or something that, that it will be because it's much more real to the person that, yeah, like I'm ruining this person's life and it, it, should I be doing this? Is it legit? Like, should this person's life be ruined? But when it's when you're a mob of a thousand people and you're whatever clicking like" on social media or just saying echoing what's being said it it's you it's easy to lose the sense of personal responsibility. It's one of the reasons not to be involved in big crowds and just sort of uh, towing the party line because this is what it means that it easily descends into a mob and I think that is and again social media makes it then you're even. I think for social media, it's often the case you would not say this to the person if you were face to face with them, but Mm -hmm. putting it on social media and there's a there's a distancing just because it's online, but then it's asynchronous as well. So it's you're not even online at the same time with the person. It's easy to um, to engage in what in retrospect you should think of as yeah, I'm not really sure this was good behavior on my part. And that's like, that's a real danger.
1: Should we talk a little bit about how to characterize this phenomenon, how to define it, um, how maybe we can start with how the world at large is thinking about this. I think the fact that it's, this phenomenon is called cancel culture, I think, reveals a little bit about how people are thinking about this. They're thinking about this, they're putting the tactic first as what what's um, interesting about what's going on with this phenomenon. Um, there seems to be a lot of think pieces about um, who should be fired for what, uh, don't fire the innocent, um, uh, uh, don't fire people for saying something stupid, don't fire people for making off-color jokes. Um, What do you think about characterizing this in terms of the tactics and repercussions uh, that are being used?
0: Yeah, I I think there's a lot of blending of things that make it um, really difficult to think with the term "cancel culture. So one of the things it blends is the um, you' put it in terms of a tactic yeah I've seen it put in terms of tactic or a practice and sometimes when people attempt to either characterize it or define it it'll be it's a tactic or it's a practice da, 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 and you can we can fill in some of the details and there's an, one of the issues is is it a bad tactic so is it when anyone resorts to this tactic they should be viewed as, no, this is an illegitimate tactic. Or is it just describing a tactic and it a tactic can be used for good things or a tactic can be used for bad things. Like it's you've got a knife and you can use it to prepare sushi, which is a good thing. You can use it to stab someone. Uh, that's a bad thing. That's an evil thing. But you can't you can't pin it on the knife. It's the use of the knife. So here it's the use of the tactic. And if you think of what some of the examples we were talking about at the start if you put something like the bill cosby thing um as like when it comes out that he's been um uh abusing likely raping women for quite some time it was sort of known and hushed up papered over Mm -hmm. and that that comes to light and that people are like urging to bring it to light and saying like we should not have the attitude that we have Oh, about Bill Cosby. He's a really bad person. If that's like what you're trying to get him cancelled and if you put it like that they're using this tactic it looks like it's a tactic to do something good. So that's one of the issues. Is it a bad tactic or is it a tactic and that I think is blurred over in the discussion.
1: Yeah, Maybe it's worth pausing on examples like uh, Bill Cosby and also uh, Harvey Weinstein because part of what was um, one way to put what the outrage was, was these people should have been canceled a long time ago. Um, People allegedly uh, knew what Harvey Weinstein was like for decades. Um, The Bill Cosby accusations, I don't even think it was new that they were public. Um, I think it was just new that anybody cared uh, uh, a few years ago. And you can think that, well, they should have faced some kind of reckoning um they should face some kind of reckoning now but they should have faced uh uh you know ostracism uh can't work in the business type repercussions decades ago
0: yes i i think that's and part of the phenomenon as well is that it took courage for the first people to speak up and to go public, and to which I, I think particularly for the Harvey Weinstein to face his wrath, and he has a lot of money and so and lawsuits and so, and that the more people did it, it seemed easier to do, and that there was, um, and I think legitimately in this case, the feeling of their strength in numbers, and so of putting it like that, it's a mob mentality. Is it always a mob mentality when people join in and say? In effect, it's, I mean, to take the slogan from the Me Too movement, it's happened to Me Too, and don't think of yourself as an isolated individual. And and that, I think, is, you have to take seriously that that's part of the phenomenon in that case. And so of people thinking that numbers are important, and numbers are important to gain some justice, that when one or two people spoke up against Harvey Weinstein, that had no effect. And just with the Bill Cosby that some of it was public, some of it was public for Harvey Weinstein, but it was dismissed as this is one or two people who making up accusations and they're trying to get back at him for this and that. But when it becomes 15, 20, 30, 50 people, then it's, yeah, maybe there's something here that we're now going to pay attention to that we didn't before. Um, so, so part of what cancel culture, if it's putting it in terms of a tactic, is it distinguishing between, okay, we're just describing a tactic that can be used for good or evil, or is it when we brand it as cancel culture, is it in effect a derogatory term that it's, oh, this is cancel culture. We know there's something bad about that. And then you can't, if if that's what you're doing, you can't group things like what um, the Harvey Weinstein episode of Bill Cosby under this term. And um a, another aspect is, is it distinguishing between, um, so even when it's, it's uh, when you're thinking of it, no, the, what we're trying to conceptualize is there's something bad here. So it's a bad tactic. What makes it a bad tactic? So even if it, that's what, is it, is it bad that just you're demanding that someone be canceled? so that it be fired or deplatformed, Or is it what makes it bad is that you have no reason to demand this? Or is is it that your demand is excessive? Yeah, they've done something wrong, but really they should be fired for this? Like the Teen Vogue case that's just made the the headlines in the last week or so is interesting because it's, it's, so I forget the woman's name, but she's been brought on as the new editor of Teen Vogue. Um, from what I've read, she has a really good reputation as an editor. And so, so in mm-hmm. terms of that, she's qualified for the position, it's not an issue that she's been qualified. Um, it's tweets from when she was younger, which she's apologized for. And is it like, is it that now it, that someone apologizes? Is, the, is what was tweeted from a young person? so beyond the pale that they can't, even if they apologize for it, it's, yeah, but that doesn't do you any good. And it's, you're gonna, if we find something as we dig into your past like this, even if you've apologized for it, it makes you persona non grata. It's like, is that? And so is it that what's the problem with it is, it's just, um, it's sort of exaggerated moral outrage in the sense that what you're demanding is not at all proportional to even if there was something that the person did bad, it's just not proportional to the outcome you're demanding as justice. Mm. Um, and I think the cancel culture as sort of this blanket term that's being used now. its You, you don't know what it's conceptualized or you, you don't even know what it's trying to conceptualize, let alone what is actually being grouped by the term when someone's using the term.
1: So then, is is the solution to this to uh, drop the issue altogether? It's a non-issue, or do we um, have to have some uh, you know, reconceptualized uh, perspective on what's happening on in the culture? Um, do you do you have a do you have a view of that? So I, I I'm not of the perspective that. There's nothing to see here, but I'm also, I kind of flip back and forth between what exactly is, is the, is the, is the phenomenon. What exactly is the right way to think about the phenomenon? I thought in the past that, um, that what we should do is focus on the uh, ideas behind the cancellations, but that drops out the, more the mob mentality type cancellation. So, so what what do you what do you make of of this?
0: I think one thing to bring in. So, the um, the, the term cancel culture. Both words are doing work. So the cancel is doing work. It's that you're demanding that someone be fired, deplatformed can't shouldn't be part of our party or run for office and things like that so that's what the can't, but that there's a culture here I think is getting at something but it, it's what is that culture and I think that it, particularly when it, it's cancel culture that there's something a phenomenon on the rise that is a negative phenomenon should be worrisome that it pretends that it portends so it forecasts even worse things in the future, I think the the culture that is on the rise is a religious mentality, and it should be thought of like that. Um, uh, one of the ways, Mike, when we were talking about it earlier, um, when we were sort of pr- preparing for the podcast, what might we bring up, one of the ways you put it is that there's heresy involved here. And this... If, if you think of sort of the religious mentality in like the teen Vogue example, that you can't apologize, that, that you can't rectify it. It's like you're tainted and you're tainted forever. Um, take like original sin as the, the kind of worst form of you're morally degenerate and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just tainted with this original sin. And it's a way of, of, Making the person feel perennially guilty. Like original sin is you're guilty from birth to death, no matter what you do, you're tainted by um, Adam's supposed fall and his wrong choice. And the, so it's, it's a life of perennial guilt. There's an element that is, I think, what people deeper down are responding to is there's an element of trying to induce guilt. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like you can't really know what the standards are for the guilt. And it's not a rational uh, debate about this thing. It's like you've committed a transgression and you need to be punished. And we're the priests who are doing this. And it's, I, I was watching recently a, a mini series um, set in the sort of late middle ages. And one of the women is accused of being a witch and there's a trial of it. And it's like, what can she do to defend herself? They say, well, um, uh, you you practice the black arts and you're doing, and it's, no, I'm not doing this. Oh, well, you're covering up what you're doing. There's no standards. It's just, they're the ones who are going to determine if she's a witch or not. And she has no court of appeal to that. And I think that like that culture part is that there's condemnation without any argument, reasoning, evidence, that's, if we're going to think of it as a negative phenomenon, it's when that's happening, and it seems to be on the rise.
1: <clears throat> would would you, so if we think of it as a rise in religious phenomenon, then, it, <clears throat> I mean, the, the cases that evoke that to me are all cases um, surrounding uh, social justice issues. So, the right-wing cancellations um you know the dixie chicks or the um removing people from the republican party don't have don't strike me as having that tinge to it um do you do you have that sense like I'm, i'm thinking of um people who cross the the trump uh you know the trumpist uh line are they out forever i mean it It seems to me that some of them come back into the fold. It doesn't seem to me that there's too much of a dogma there that they're violating as as opposed to just disloyalty to a figure. Um, So an example that hasn't come up yet uh, of of this phenomenon is the reaction to J.K. Rowling's um, writings on uh, feminism and and trans rights. Um, And that, to me, struck me as, well, she's crossed a against a certain dogma and that's why she's um you know should be shamed or guilted or accused of uh, various transphobia bigotry things like that um so do you do you have that sense too that 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 religious element is more coming from one segment of the culture than another
0: um no not as much i i have it it's a religious mentality, there, there's at least two forms. I mean, it, it comes in degrees. The more sophisticated form, in a certain way, is they're concerned with dogma, and dogma yeah. is a semblance of ideas. So it's the semblance that I've got principles that I've thought about, I have arguments for, here's the evidence. And I think um, Christianity, and particularly Catholicism, that you think of it, it's really about dogma. That's a product of the fact that it comes after ancient Greece and ancient Rome. So, and they're they're challenging the philosophers, um, the paganists, pagan thinkers, as it would be put, that it's, in order to challenge this, we can't just say, we've got a God, you have to follow him, don't think for yourself. It's, no, we've got arguments and a whole body of doctrine. We've got our dogma. Here's what it looks like. Um, and but they don't hold it because they're not scientists. They don't hold it. Yeah, the evidence has convinced us of this. It, that's the, it's the semblance of ideas, mm-hmm. and I think that's the more sophisticated. And I think yeah, in the J.K. Rowling, it's they think they have ideas and arguments, but what when you look at the phenomenon sort of as an outsider, it's no. You might not agree with Rowling, but it's not like she's um, like a uh, anti-transgender or something. She has a certain view and reasons for it. You might think are wrong. The way you would engage with that is you would actually present your arguments and reasons for what you hold. Not, this is, I've never heard like this. We all know it's wrong. That, that's the thing. When it, the evidence is, J.K. Rowling doesn't know it's wrong and she's not being insincere about that. It's that, no, I don't agree with these. Here's the reasons why. Give some counter reasons. That's what's absent. But religion, in its kind of more tribal form, so the less it's about dogma, the more it's just about our group and our leaders, and we're electing him the Messiah and so on. Then it's it's the the ideas just they're not essential to it, um, and they don't the religious people don't even experience it as like I'm loyal to a dogma. It's much more I'm loyal to a person, and I think the Trump phenomenon is like that so if trump turned pro-immigration i think there's all kinds of people oh that's what our leader says now it's we've got to be pro-immigration um so that's what we'll be and that's so when they're kicking people out it's they're kicking them out you're not sufficiently loyal to like you forget about the argument like uh, our arguments for why we want to build a wall are they bad and are the arguments for so some of the never trumpers in the republicans were Um, No, like we're supposed to be pro-immigration and pro-trade, and then we're building up walls and trade barriers, like there's something really wrong. And it wasn't, here's the argument, it's, you're crossing our leader. Um, Mm. And that, I think, is like, that is part of the culture that people are sensing, that it's, it's, and it's a form of heresy, I think. It's not about dogma, it's about um, personalities, I think. Um, we and it, and it's so. I, I, yeah, we should turn to questions. I, I w- would say then, as a the, the so you can carve this up in at least two ways. The broadest phenomenon is the issue of moral judgment and negative moral sanctions. That if you're judging and leave, it's not in a court of law. So you're not saying the law and coercive forces should descend upon this person, but what the person's done. So the the, uh, Cafferty example, Mike, that you brought up about if the person was a member of white supremacist groups and there was evidence for them. So it's not that, um, I mean, depending on what the group, but let's say it's a peaceful group. And so it's not, this person should be put in jail, but you can understand and agree with a company that would, when they find out, oh, I've got an employee who's, um, pushing white supremacy and is really a member of this, I don't want to deal with this person. We're firing this person. We're not going to deal with them anymore. If if the phenomena that brought a level, it's a real thing to engage in moral judgment and to think people should suffer consequences if they're doing something sufficiently morally bad. Um, and then it is like, if that is what cancel cultures, it's grouping things like that into it then you can't have a negative evaluation of it. It has to be, um, does the moral judgment make sense? And does the demands for whether boycotting, firing, do those make sense? But if it's trying to conceptualize, there's something on the rise in our culture of a more religious mentality and of it's just an issue of heresy and you've crossed our dogma or you've crossed our leader and that therefore you should be fired, deplatformed, your persona non grata, that's irrational. And you should have a negative evaluation of that. But one of the problems with the term is it blends these two things together. And I resist all new terms, unless I really (laughs) find, oh yeah, I need cancel call, like I couldn't describe this and I couldn't conceptualize it without this new term, then I'll use the new term. But if I can just conceptualize the phenomenon, which in this case, I think you can, um you don't conceptualize them all in the same way but you can conceptualize and think about it you don't need the term cancel culture and it's much better to have what's on the rise is a religious tribal mentality and you see it everywhere and one of the consequences will be that people become more and more obsessed with various forms of heresy. Mm-hmm.
1: okay do we want to take some questions i think we have yeah a couple that sounds of- good Um, so here's the first one, uh, on Donahue, Ayn Rand described how boycotts are a proper way that the market determines, uh, business behavior. How does that differ from cancel culture? Well, I mean, on, so, um, there's, I don't remember the context of that, uh, that specific statement, but I mean, a, a boycott is uh, to me, it, or can be a legitimate use of the, uh, of a sort of cancellation tactic. If the behavior of the business is, um, you know, wrong or objectionable, um, I don't think though that boycotting currently is a major part of the cancel phenomenon. I mean, there there are pressures on um employers to fire people from the public and the employers usually cave to that um but I, I wouldn't i wouldn't think of boycott like mass boycotts as part of what everyone's worried about presently i mean
0: yeah i think it's um it's not the central thing people are worried about but it is more broadly so when you put it, they're putting pressure on employers like, say, the New York Times to fire someone. There is an implicit thing that if you sort of, again, an undercurrent, that if you don't do this, I'm canceling my subscriptions. I'm not reading the New York Times anymore. And again, online makes it easier to try to organize a boycott and at least threaten that it's like, if you don't do this and there's also the kinds of cases, um, for instance, in the transgender, when some states, uh, one example was North Carolina, are going to pass, um, th- this was about the bathrooms and laws about you know, who can use bathrooms, that, com- that companies, so another kind a different, here it's companies boycotting in effect and saying, like, if you pass this, we're not going to have our annual conference in your state anymore. You're going to have some kind of lost revenue in effect because you're doing that. And um, one of the reasons the tactic is on the rise, I think that unfortunately, the corporate world in general is scared of moral judgment and moral controversy. So the minute they get a whiff of look, what we think you're doing is morally wrong. And if you don't fire this port person, if you don't stop dealing with this uh, employee, if it can't take the Cafferty, because he got fired. Um, if you don't do this, we're gonna keep criticizing you, morally denouncing you. And most businesses are paralyzed when that happens. And their knee jerk reaction is, let's end this controversy. And if the simplest thing is fire this person so that nobody's talking about it and criticizing us anymore, that's what they do. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's on the rise because people sense the cowardice involved. And so this tactic will work.
1: So um, it, yeah. It's, yeah. On, it's on the rise both because it works and it's explicitly being advocated as a tactic by, by many uh, social justice activists. So you kind of have it feeding into itself. So it's part of their um, self-conscious strategy for change and then it's a successful one. Yeah. Um, So we have another super chat question. Uh, Isn't it true that if ARI tried to become a beacon against cancel culture that the left would come after you and would attack Rand as a racist too? I mean, I think they already probably would attack her as a racist, I don't think it, would, it would, uh, we would, we would make them think she's a racist. Um, oh, and thank you for the donation, uh, by the way. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, it's, I think all that would happen, and we've already seen this happening. So when Ayn Rand was big, so when she was alive, she was famous, uh, certainly in America, she was famous. And you see all kinds of attempts to smear her, intimidate people who deal with her, I mean, even uh, this was after she died, but uh, at the University of Toronto, and you can view this as a kind of cancellation, the The university bookstore, which is uh, the University of Toronto is in downtown Toronto. It's a big, big bookstore. They carry all kinds of things. They would not carry Ayn Rand books and explicitly. And it was because some professors had complained. Like, in effect, we want her canceled. We don't want her students we don't want our students reading her. They ask bad questions when they read her. So, so get her out of the library. So that happened to her. Uh, I mean, we, you can view Buckley as trying to drive her out of the conservative movement. You can call that as, as she's trying to cancel. And it's again like super smears about what Atlas Shrugged. It, it's uh, kind of a, it's it's. You, you can hear one of the reviews in in National Reviews. You can hear the voice of the Gulag. In the pages of Atlas Shrugged, which is such an incredible smear. And the more ARI and objectivist intellectuals get um, prominence, the more there's going to be this kind of demand. I mean, we already see it. Krugman goes after ARI slash Ayn Rand all the time. Um,
1: and it, yeah, yeah. So it, you'll it's, see. It's more. not going to be particularly the cancel culture issue that, that gets us more of what we're already getting. Um, yeah. Okay. Are there? Uh, Let me see if there's any more super chat questions. Yeah.
0: So there's a there's a um, um, a question about how this plays out within the objectivist community. I'll uh, so there's many ways it plays out, but I'll just put one in personal terms because I think it is it it's useful to see. This happens everywhere. So we put it that it happens on the so-called political left. It happens on the so-called political right. It happens when they're kind of engaging with other each other. It happens within the groups. Um, we didn't talk about the Brett Weinstein. Ex- that's a major example of uh, the kind of this cancel culture as a mob mentality. And that's within the so-called political left. So it happens everywhere, including in the objectivist movement. Like I've We're a small movement, so it's not going to gain national headlines. It's not going to be that big, but the same kind of phenomenon. Um, Like I've been for people publicly uh, trying to rally people that I should be fired from ARI and I should not be teaching and I should not be an educator there. And when it goes public, it's an attempt to get a lot of people demanding this, hoping that the organization is going to cave now. Thankfully, AI is not a typical business, that it's the mo- first moment that there's some kind of moral controversy going on. It's let's, let's try to end this and paper it over in whatever way we can. If the simplest thing is getting rid of somebody, let's get rid of them. But it's the same phenomenon that happens. Um, and it's, if we're descending into a more religious, tribal mentality, if that's the direction of our culture, which I think it is, you would expect to see it everywhere. It's like, there's no reason objectivists who are part of the culture would be immune to this these kinds of forces. Um, and it's important in terms of just thinking about your own understanding of ideas that if the culture is pushing in this direction, it's pushing you too in this direction and you have to do active things to resist it. And if you don't, you'll see that you see the same phenomenon in the objectivist movement.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of um, times there's, these things erupt on social media, and there's a kind of taking accusations at face value, and it's similar to similar to like the Cafferty case or the um, or some of the other cases where there's the accusation is sort of the evidence that there's uh, you know that there's a fire where where you smell the smoke. So, um,
0: yes. uh,
1: let's see. Uh, we have a question of about, uh, okay, we did talk a little bit about Cosby and Weinstein. This person's asking if um, if cancel culture is applied to people, ap- applicable to people tried in court and found guilty, others don't get to defend themselves and are punished by the mob. Um, I'm not really sure what the question is there, but if someone's, I mean, so, there is a there is a difference um, between somebody being accused of a crime versus somebody being accused of a uh, non criminal moral um, wrongdoing in the sense that you can involve the courts and the police when someone's accused of a crime. So there's less of a less of a um, you can just rely on the courts to help you figure out what's true about the accusation. You don't have to kind of do your own own investigation. Um, I see proponents of cancel culture defending this practice as simply holding somebody accountable. Can these two ideas be separated? We've kind of talked about that. Um, Holding somebody accountable, accountable for what Um, and in what way? It comes up in defenses of this uh, in social justice literature as it's a way for um, disempowered people to, uh, you know, as we were saying before, use their numbers to to get justice for a um, uh, uh, from a powerful person, Um,
0: and it's um, to hold them accountable is. Does that mean, it does accountable mean is, is it a synonym for justice or is it just, so you're putting it in terms of marginalized and it's, we're marginalized, you're the strong, so you've done something wrong. And even if this particular accusation and so on is, there's not really evidence for and so on, you're, because we're the marginalized and you're not, we know you're guilty and it doesn't really matter if this particular charge is valid or not. That's not someone who's interested in justice or concerned with justice. So, in some of these, of uh, just getting, the, in terms of thinking about what's driving it and what's the motivation, is you have to think: Are they disturbed? Are you? Is someone disturbed by the Cafferty example? So, it's let's say there's someone who does try to root out people who, and there are people who are in white. Supremacist white power movements trying to root them out, expose them so that they don't aren't able to hold the jobs that they held only because their employers don't know what they're doing. So is that person concerned about like, yeah, but the Cafferty thing, that's really bad. Even if it's right to go after people like this, someone who gets railroaded like that, that's not holding him accountable. This is not what justice looks like. And if I was a participant in that. Um, what do I do about like what how do I make amends for what I've done so it or take on a different uh, that's the white power kind of thing. The Black Lives Matter. Um, take some of the specific cases. The Michael Brown. The investigation is that the it's a lie about the Michael Brown hands up. Don't shoot. It. It's a, and um, and that the police were exonerated. And if you pushed that oh, we already know that Michael Brown, it was, it's a complete um, police misconduct and so on. And if you were saying that publicly, do you make try to make any amends for what you did? And are you still saying this about the Michael Brown thing, even after the FBI investigation? And if someone is doing that, then holding them accountable is not about justice. It's just about advancing our cause right or wrong. um maybe we should take one more almost at the top of the hour and then we'll move on to uh, as we said we're going to move to clubhouse to
1: continue the discussion um so there's a statement here
0: well maybe take this because it's a a little bit of a summing up so is it the question is it's, the, what we're distinguishing seems to be mob action versus individual judgment. Um, I'd put that that's a little too narrow. The broadest way to put it is what we're distinguishing is um, real justice and a real concern for justice for versus various ways of pre, uh, in effect of pretending. That I care about justice, but that is not really what is going on, what is driving the actions and the meaning of the actions. And within that, there's an issue of um, uh, when uh, someone's part of a mob, they suspend, in effect, their individual judgment and they permit themselves to do things that if they were acting individually, they wouldn't do. That's one aspect of it. But the widest is um, the, that it's. A concern for justice means a concern for the principles that you uh, accept and subscribe to uh, and putting them into practice objectively and getting a a judgment. In this case, it's usually a negative judgment that's proportional to the offense, to what you think is morally wrong and you have reasons for it, and then what the proper um, kind of it, it, does it warrant a firing or just a reprimand? Does it issue a deplatforming? Is that the right thing? And it's a concern with all of that. That's what justice looks like. Hmm. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, um, we're at the hour. I mean, obviously, this is a huge topic, so there's a lot more that we could talk about, and more. we're going to move to Clubhouse to talk about it, but let's. Um, Wrap up here the, the our podcast and let. So, one thing that I'd like to point you to, as I said, the broadest theme is about moral judgment. One of Ayn Rand's, it's a short essay, but I find one of her most powerful essays is an essay called How Does One Lead a Rational Life in an Irrational Society? It's in the Virtue of Selfishness. It's also up on our website, uh, and you can see the URL here uh, on, on the slide, but you can, you can find it if you come to the Ayn Rand Institute's website. And it's the, the whole article is about the importance of moral judgment and what it looks like, like what it takes intellectually and morally to engage in proper moral judgment versus the semblance of caring about justice. So that, if if you wanna get Ayn Rand's profound view of the nature of moral judgment, this is, I'd start with this essay. And then if you want to follow us on YouTube and I hope you do, we're close to 70,000 subscribers. So please subscribe to our channel. We're trying in the next couple of days to get above the 70,000 mark Um, and We're always interested in feedback, so email us feedback, questions, comments. We, for sure, read everything. We try to answer most of the emails that we get. We can't always answer every single one. And we're also interested in suggestions for further topics that we can do in these New Ideal live podcasts. So definitely, if you've got some ideas, email us. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike, for the discussion, and I hope you can join us on Clubhouse.